Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Hey, baby, let me, let me pull out your chair for you. Let me pull oh, out your you. chair for so you. So sweet. <laughs> I'm trying. Oh, I'm trying. Well, today we are in a special installment of this series called At the Table. Somebody say, At the Table. How many of you were here last Sunday when we talked about Jesus needing to be at your table? No relationship works unless Christ has his proper place at your table. Today, we wanted to talk about romantic relationships. And, uh, and that's why I have the first lady with me today. Baby, you look great. Thanks. You, you do too. Thank you. Well, you picked out what I wear. Um, anyway... <laughs> I love being able to share this experience uh, with, with, with my wife. Um, she has a heart of gold and great love for this church. Um, and when we thought about how to communicate, talking about romantic relationships, this includes dating relationships. For those of you that are engaged to be married, maybe you're recently married or you've been married for a long time. Maybe you're single and you're ready to mingle. Maybe you scoping and hoping, come on somebody. There's a lot of good stuff. We believe that God wants to speak to you today. Now, we'll say this. If we have enough time, we're going to try to get through this entire menu on our date night. Um, but there, there should be a little warning label that I give to all the parents. This, this sermon is rated PG-13. Um, so if you have children that are not ready for some of the things we're going to talk about, we've got an amazing kids ministry that would love to be able to serve you. So I'm just going to let you make your decisions, but we're going to do a deep dive into romantic relationships. Can you say, oh yeah. You ready? Okay. I'm, baby, I'm right. born ready. Well, how, you you want to start? You want me to? How about we start with a scripture? I think that's a great idea. Great verse. Let's go. One of the scriptures in the Bible that's, um, it's really powerful and um, it was by Solomon, right? Solomon, smartest guy who ever lived. Incredible wisdom. Uh, I mean, I, uh, God gave him a special knowledge that no man or woman has ever had before. And here's what Solomon had to say in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 18. He says, there are three things that amaze me. No, four things I don't understand. How an eagle glides through the sky. How a snake slithers on a rock. How a ship navigates the ocean. And when a man... <laughs> Loves a woman. Come on. Hey, hey. Come on, baby. Lean in right now. Give me a little kiss no, right now. Just not right now. <laughs> it was so, mysterious, okay? Solomon, the smartest guy who ever lived, said, it's a mystery how a man loves a woman. You know, there's a part of what I wanted to say, at least to start out. Rachel and I, we have been married for 27 years. Uh, we dated for four years. After 31 years of being together, this is still a mystery to us. We don't speak today from a place of perfect knowledge. What we share is based on the bumps and bruises that we've experienced and the lessons that we've learned along the way. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. You know, God wants our relationships to honor him. Amen. You know, the 
the picture of even marriage is a picture of Christ and his bride. And, and relationships should bring the world to see the love that Christ has for his church. Good. And so, you know, when, when we honor God in our relationships, our friendships are blessed, our families are blessed, mm-hmm. our own lives are blessed when we are obedient to God and what he tells us about relationships. That's so good. And you know, it's, it's no, we've talked about this. It's no secret that the devil's biggest target is the home. You know, if he can get to the home, he tries to just, you know, just target our children, our marriages, and break down something that God has given us clear instructions about. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're going to talk about conflict today, but, you know, we have to be aware that we are targets of the enemy. Mm -hmm. And he wants to break down something beautiful that God has made as a picture of his bride, Mm -hmm. the church. Well, and I want to say this too, because we're going to speak from the context of what a biblical romantic relationship should look like. Uh, Maybe some of you, maybe you're new to faith and what you're going to hear today will be new to you. Maybe some of you, you made a, a whole lot of wrong decisions before you came to know Christ and, and you carry the pain and the brokenness. You know, the devil tried to destroy you before you even get started. And Rachel said something that was really important. Ephesians 5 says that the marriage relationship is a picture of how Christ loved the church. Can I tell you, the devil hates Christ and he hates the church. And so there's a target on godly couples. And if we're going to do things God's way, it's going to look very different than the romantic relationships in this world. Can you say amen? You know, our, how many of you remember our word for the year? Freedom. What is it? Freedom. Freedom. And so today we want to talk about how to be free in our relationships. And so as you can see, we are inviting you to a date night here at our table. Come on. With thousands and, um, of our closest friends. Yes. And we have a gift card. <laughs> so um, there's some extra things we get to order today because we have a gift card. And, um, but each course is going to represent um, a topic of what we want to unpack today um, about relationships and freedom. That's right. So, so we're going to start with the appetizer. Since we have a gift card, you get an appetizer, right? And th- th- you'll see in the nature of this conversation that it's going to start light and then it's going to build along the way. But the appetizer, if you take taking notes, we want you to write this down. The appetizer represents fun. I think it's important that we have fun in a relationship, you know, that, that we intentionally include life-giving moments, doing things that we love, things that we enjoy. Baby, when we got appetizer, remember when we were dating and we, we were broke like no joke, living off of love? We, 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 what places would we go? Well, we would go to the places that had free chips and salsa. Yes. For an appetizer or free butter and bread, right? <laughs> And so we would be able to fill up on that so that we could split a meal. Mm-hmm. Now you don't split your meal. He like Now I got money to buy her whatever she wants, but I'm, I'm going to eat what's on my plate. <laughs> but, um, and then we would split our meal and then we would um, get waters and then we would end up with our $15 date. And we were happy because we were in love, right? That's right. We're still happy. We are. And in love, right? Okay. I was hoping You're you'd not say in love? that. I was hoping you would say that. Are you in love? Baby, if you don't know by now. (laughs) I think fun is not a luxury, it's a necessity. 
We understand this in dating. You know, in your dating relationships, man, you plan moments, you know, you, you create those experiences that you enjoy. It kind of, it's a top priority in your relationship, but something happens as you get married and grow older in marriage. It's easy to overlook the importance of fun. It may sound like a small thing, but it's really a big deal. You know, Proverbs 17, I love this verse, and I think this is a great thing to consider when it comes to romantic relationships, but the Bible says in Proverbs 17, a merry heart does good like a medicine. There's something medicinal about experiencing fun and joy, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. It's interesting how in dating, man, fun is such a priority and your relationship is, is like a tree that's full of sap. I mean, life is budding and blooming and growing. But if we're not careful, if we, if we neglect fun, the sap in the tree begins to dry up. And that's when you see things begin to decay. And I think, you know, this is one thing that Mike and I need to improve on because, you know, we work, 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 and you can get your head in the ground and, and then you just forget to be intentional about having fun. And it's amazing, you know, after you get married, you do the things you have to, but then you stop doing the things you want to. Mm. And so, you know, we have to make it our priority. And then after you have that fun, it's like, wow, have you ever done something that you just... You know, you put your mind to finally, and then you're like, wow, I didn't realize how much I needed that. Yes. Maybe, maybe you joined a small group for couples, and you know, the devil fought you just to get in there, and then now you're like, man, I, didn't, I don't know what I would do without that. Right. You know, being intentional about fun is so important. What are some fun things we do? I was going to ask you that, but since you asked me first, um, I think what, what, you, what she loves to do, what she thinks is fun, and what I think is fun... It's not always the same. Can we keep it real in the house today? She loves to shop. That is fun for her. Discount shopping. Discount shopping. TJ Maxx, Max. Ross, Home Goods. Come on, she's a Home Goods girl. Home Goods girl. She loves to shop. That's not necessarily, when I think of fun, I don't necessarily think of that. But I know it's important to her, so I try to step into her world. Yeah, like, Michael, he'll drive me by the places and just drop me off at the door. And he'll sit in the car and answer all y'all's text messages while I'm in the, there shopping and catch up. Hey, all right, here's the other thing too. If we're at a place, because believe me, I, I don't know what I'm looking for. I have, in, I have no desire, no orientation to be in that place. I'm letting her do what she does. She's in her natural habitat. But I'm in there looking for y'all, thinking, man, who can I talk to? Who can I meet? I just want to, yeah, get tied up in a conversation, pray for somebody. That's what she loves to do. But what, what I love to do, I'm all things sports. And so now, Rachel, I, I got to say this to her credit. She has watched more sporting events. Man, when, when, when your wife, fellas, starts t telling you about the transfer portal, um, NIL deals, the coaching carousel, and, uh, and all these, I'm like, babe, your football IQ is so sexy. <laughs> Super attractive, babe. High five. Well, I mean, our son does play football, so I got to know a little bit about the game, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, so one time, Rachel, talked, we were celebrating our anniversary. She said, hey, babe, let's go to Dallas. I'm like, Dallas is a fun place? Yeah, there's so much to do in Dallas. Guess what we did in Dallas? We went to market. 
where you have to wear the badges to get into these buildings, 21 stories of nothing but shopping. And we're, I mean, it all looks the same to me. And after six hours of looking at this piece of furniture and these muted tones and this rug softens the room and this color makes it pop. And man, I'm learning all of this stuff. I'm like, babe, I need some barbecue. We got to get out of here. So what do we do? We ate. We went and had barbecue, yes. (laughs) But but see, I want you to, there's a biblical principle here. We're not just talking about, oh, enjoying one another. The Bible says something about the power of joy. And the, the scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. See, a lot of marriages are struggling because they neglect the importance of joy. If joy produces strength, then the absence of joy creates weakness. So married couples, man, don't just do it when you're dating. Man, don't just enjoy one another in the dating. Man, let's be intentional and purposeful in planning fun in our relationship. Awesome. Appetizer. Let's, let's move on. Move on. Let's What's move the second on. course? The second course is the salad. How many of you like salad? Salad represents conflict. See some dudes raising their hands for salad. Please tell me you're putting some protein on that salad. <laughs> good ranch. Good A good ranch, ranch okay. dressing. A good ranch dressing there, yeah. But you know, some people either love salad or they hate salad. And, or you don't want to make room or, or you want to keep... Your stomach, help me out here. You want to make sure you have enough room in your stomach for, des- for the main meal and dessert. So you don't want to waste your time on salad. And salad is a very important part of the relationship. Salad in this analogy represents conflict. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Most people just try to avoid it. And this is where relationships begin to break down. When conflict arises, it's amazing how when you're dating, or Rachel and I will do pre-marriage counseling for couples, and we'll, we'll start talking about conflict, and it's like, what are you talking about? We just love each other. We always get along. We finish each other's sentences. We're like, okay. Maybe we need to have a session six months after you're married, because dating brings out the best of you, but marriage brings out the rest of you. Or you could say it like this. When you're dating, opposites attract. When you're married, opposites attack. <laughs> yeah, that was good, girl. That was good. I need to write that down. It's one of your Hamanisms. Hey, it's yours, baby. It's yours. Let, let's talk about the, how, do you, how do you handle conflict? Because this is where relationships get stuck. Sometimes we like to sweep things under the rug. We like to avoid things. But all relationships, hear me. All relationships experience the turbulence of conflict. Friendships, working relationships, married relationships, uh, connections with your kids. We have to get good at handling conflict. Uh, Three marriage arguments. The biggest three arguments in marriage. You know what they are? You know what we argue over? Sex, money, and communication. Guys want more sex, girls want more money, and ain't nobody want to talk about it. You like that, girl? You like that? You need to write that down, girl. (laughs) Okay, we got to share scripture. Let's talk. How do you handle conflict? Okay, Matthew 18 is probably one of the best verses to guide us through conflicting, turbulent times. Matthew 18, the Bible says this in verse 15. If another believer sins against you, 
if a boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, spouse, if they sin against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. And that single verse are about five or six thoughts that Rachel and I extracted out that can help us navigate conflict. The first one is, you gotta acknowledge it. You know, first you have to acknowledge the problem because nothing will improve if you neglect it. That's right. Your house doesn't improve, your car doesn't improve. If you neglect a problem, it won't improve on its own. So conflict doesn't get better on its own. We have to acknowledge what the problem is. That's right. And after we acknowledge it, then the Bible says we have to go. We have to take initiative. You say, wait a second, Pastor. What if it was their fault and not mine? Shouldn't they be the ones to initiate? Notice here what the scripture says. If another believer sins against you, you go privately to them. You and I have a responsibility, whether it was our fault or whether we think it was their fault, we each have the responsibility to initiate. Now, here's something I want you to consider. When it came to our conflict with the Lord, how many of you know sin put us at odds with God? God didn't do anything wrong. God was perfect, holy, righteous. Who made the mess? Okay, so who did something about it? God, in his perfection, initiated reconciliation with us by sending Jesus. Come on. The cross is the pattern for how we handle conflict. God was at no fault. We were the ones that made a mess of things. Yet Jesus came. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. I remember in our relationship, um, when we would have conflict, you know, Mike would want to hurry up and just fix the problem. Fix it, fix it. Come on, how many of you guys like to fix things? And just move on to the next thing. And of course, I needed to feel some things before I was ready to fix the problem. And so what we had to come to an agreement is that he would put on the brakes a I little bit. Slow down. And then I would speed up a little bit so we could meet in the middle and not give the enemy any more ground in right. our marriage because the longer you wait to handle conflict, the more traction the enemy gets. Yep. He sits on your shoulder, he talks to you, he mm -hmm. says things that are not true and you begin to believe them. So we have to get good at helping to solve conflict so mm -hmm. the enemy doesn't gain any more ground in our relationships. And this is one thing that I had to learn and I learned it late, okay? I wish I would have known this earlier, but I had to ask Rachel this question, baby. Is this something you need me to fix for you? or to feel with you. Sometimes I'm trying to fix something and she's like, I don't need you to fix anything. I need you to feel this with me. Fellas, this is gonna help some of us. So working together. So we acknowledge it, we take initiative. Now here's the third thing. No third parties. No third parties. Notice how direct this scripture is. If somebody sins against you, you go to that person. Here's why this is so important. When you involve someone from the outside, now I'm gonna give you some context here in just a minute, but when you involve a third party without initiating a conversation, a conversation with the initial party, destructive things happen. 
This is how affairs happen in a marriage. Let's say Rachel and I have a, a situation and, and man, we're conflicting, we're arguing, and man, she just doesn't understand me, and, and man, she, she doesn't see things like I see it. And I'm not trying to work on it with her, but at, at work, let's say I confide in, in a female that seems very caring. Man, she's got a listening ear. She understands things that I wish my wife would understand, but doesn't. Do you see how the enemy can, I mean, just so subtle. If I don't talk to her about it, but I'm talking to another lady about it, then that is setting me up, setting our marriage up for disaster. Not only that, here's another example too. Uh, let's say we're fighting and fussing, and then Rachel's gonna talk to her family about how terrible I am. Some of you know the pain of in-laws and outlaws. Come on, talk to me. And then it drives this wedge and then, you know, family gatherings are awkward and, and now the offense that Rachel has, she has planted that in her family and they all see me as the biggest jerk on the planet. Why? Because we've involved outside people without having talked first. Now, let me say this. There is room for getting outside help if you're stuck in a marriage. There's counseling, there's pastoral care, there's small group support. Only after you have tried to work things out with your spouse first, then do you need to reach and get some outside help. And let me tell you something about biblical counsel. It will always direct you back to your spouse. They're gonna give you some things to consider, homework, some prayer, some support, but eventually there has to be a conversation between you and your spouse. That's good. So number one, acknowledge it. Number two, take the initiative. Number three, no third parties. And number four, use sensitivity. You've got to approach that person in the right spirit. You know, you've used this example before, but it, it's kind of like a, um, a ping pong game. How many of you have played ping pong before? We were in um, Spain on a mission trip one time and uh, our Spanish pastors, they were oh, here this morning. You don't need morning. to share this story. This is not a good story. Oh, we're getting real. <sighs> and, um, <laughs> and we were playing We were playing with a couple, and so the girls were on one side and the guys were on the other. And so we were playing ping pong, kind of volleying the ball, and then all of a sudden, Mike decided to just slam the ball, and when he did, he hit me in the eye with the ball. So I was leaning over like this, and he was like, oh, babe, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. But the, the whole example of this Boy, wait, is, you didn't finish the story. We won the game, by the way. <laughs> I no, had to insert that. Now, that finish is, your point. That's been too long ago, and you don't remember things, so I think we won the game. So we'll, we'll ask the couple after, because I think they You're, come. I like your version of the anyway. story. But the, the whole point of is that when, when you have to listen, use sensitivity, you, you don't just come in. I mean, most of us, we're not hearing what the other person's saying. We're just loading up, ready to say what we wanna say to them, right? Mm. And so you gotta volley. It's like, okay, listen, what they're saying, what I'm saying. And you know, it, it helps you win in your relationship. So right. go in the right spirit when you're approaching that. And then have direct communication. Uh, you're, you're not attacking the person, you're discussing the problem. You see the difference? You're not attacking the person, let's discuss the problem. Again, the goal is to bring resolution. It's not to slam the ball in somebody's face. If I keep slamming her in ping pong, she's gonna take her paddle and go home. But the goal is to volley. It's to seek to understand before 
being understood. Now, let me give you a little subset, okay? When you're having this conversation, I I wouldn't call it an argument. Let's call it intense fellowship, okay? When you're having intense fellowship, don't call each other names. Don't name call. Uh, Don't raise your voice. My dad got really loud when he got upset. I mean, the decibels went to a whole nother level. And I, I find myself when my buttons get pushed, I get loud. Don't call names. Don't raise your voice. Don't get historical. Notice I didn't say hysterical. I said historical. Come on, you kept a, a list, a file, a forensic file of everything that he has done and said, and you're ready to rat-a-tat-tat upside his head with all of your evidence. Don't get historical. Don't use absolutes like always and never. Will you never? Will you always? Don't threaten divorce. Do not leverage that as a weapon. And whatever you do in the middle of an argument, don't quote your pastor. That's good. Can I quote my pastor? No, no. When she calls me, like sometimes we'll get in a, a little discussion. And when she says, okay, Pastor Mike, <laughs> buttons are getting pushed. <laughs> Ooh, but what's okay. the goal? The goal Let's, is for what? The goal babe? of all of this is, to, is restoration. You know, you want to restore your relationship. And remember that your spouse is not the enemy. Right. You know, this scripture is so important. Ephesians 6, 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, Mm. but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You are not fighting your spouse. Mm -hmm. You have to recognize this is an attack on our godly relationship yep. from the enemy right. and you recognize it and you move toward restoration so the enemy, again, cannot have ground in the situation. Amen. So the appetizer is fun. Salad represents conflict. Let's get to the main course. Let, let's talk about the main course. What, what, what's the main course here, babe? The main course is devotion. How many of you know if you're gonna have something great, you gotta put forth some work. It's going to take work. Work. You can't just cruise control through your marriage. You have to work at it. And I would say this too. When when we talk about work, obviously conflict resolution is work. But I want you to know that you can put in the work every day. You don't have to wait for an argument to do the heavy lifting. When we talk about work, we're talking about nourishing your own soul. Um, What I love about this girl right here. She, every morning, she'll wake up, she'll take the dog out, got to take the dog out, and then she'll make her cup of coffee, and she'll grab her Bible, and she'll read her Bible and do her devotions every day. You know what she's doing? She's putting in the work. A lot of times, we look at marriage, and we think, well, the devotion is to one another. No, 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 no. The devotion first is to the Lord. And the more devoted you are to the Lord, the stronger the connection will be to your spouse. I want you to consider this. Couples that have separated are are going through a divorce. And some of you, either you know someone or maybe you've walked through that difficult season of life before. Couples that split up, long before they disconnected to each other, 
somebody disconnected from the Lord. There was a drifting in the relationship from God first and foremost. And so we encourage you, the best thing you can do for your marriage is to lean into your relationship with God. I love the scripture in Colossians 3, 23 and 24. It says, whatever you do, everybody say, whatever you do. Whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, Mm -hmm. not for your spouse. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. This helps you in your relationship. Mm. When you don't wanna do things for your spouse, if you say, Lord, I'm doing this unto you. Some Mm. of you, it's gonna set you free and it's Mm. gonna remove the selfishness Mm. that we all have in the flesh. Mm. If we say, Lord, whatever I do, I'm going to do it as unto you and not unto man. Mm-hmm. So good. This is the difference between emotion and devotion. Marriage is not about emotion. Marriage is about a devotion to God. And out of that space, your commitment, the Lord will help you keep your promises. You know, July 27th, 1996, I made some promises first to God, but then I made promises to her. And I know that my commitment to the Lord is going to help me keep the promises that I've made to my wife. And we have to remember that love is not a feeling. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. Yes. And we need the Spirit to help us. I need the Holy Spirit to help me love my spouse mm-hmm. the way he's supposed to be loved. And the only way is if I'm spending time with the Lord, that's what makes me a better spouse for him. That's right. That makes me love him the way he mm-hmm. needs to be loved. And when she ain't love me right, I'm like, babe, go read your Bible. <laughs> That's not true. Do not write that down, okay? I don't, I, I don't say it. Let, let, let's let's get to the very the end. With that I know, I know. She's about to, yes, Lord. She's about to lay hands on me. Um, so the appetizer, the, the salad, the, the, the main course, let's get to dessert, okay? Dessert. Um, you know, at the end of the meal, the waiter will often ask you, have you saved room for dessert? How many know there's always room for dessert? Yes, there is. And so this, we, this gives us an opportunity to talk about something sweet that can be sour if it's not handled biblically. Dessert represents sex and purity. It, it represents physical intimacy within the context of biblical marriage. 1 Corinthians 6.18, Paul said this. He said, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? This Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself. This is big. Now we're talking about Christian marriages We're talking about holy, biblical, romantic relationships. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. You know, the world has tried to distort what God has made holy. That's right. You know, what if God called you to your relationship, your marriage, And let's be clear, the Bible is very clear about one man, one woman for one lifetime. That's right. That is God's word. That's not my opinion. That's not his opinion. 
And the enemy has tried to take something beautiful mm-hmm. that God has designed mm-hmm. and pervert it. That's Everything right. good that God has done, the enemy has tried his best right. to pervert, That's pervert right. it. And so sex was God's idea. Won't you think about that for a second? Sex is not dirty. It's not wicked. It's not immoral. It's a beautiful gift that came from God. And so the Bible is the best sex manual that was ever written. When God created Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter one, do you know the first command in scripture was to be fruitful and multiply? Well, what does that mean? God say, hey, Adam and Eve, y'all get together. Get busy. We got to make more of you. And this is how it works. I know we kind of nervously laugh. Listen, one time I was teaching a group of college students uh, uh, about sex. And I was reading out of the Song of Solomon. And there was a guy that was on the front row. I got to one of the passions, one of the portions of scripture where, man, they're really get, If you've ever read Song of Solomon, whoo, that's not just PG-13, that's rated R. That's in your Bible, okay? I was getting to one of the steamy portions where the couple was, was starting to make out. And the guy on the front row did like this right here. <laughs> he couldn't believe that was in the Bible. Listen to me, church. I'm reclaiming sex in Jesus' name. I'm taking it back. The world, it doesn't belong to the world. And so I'm not listening to the world for how I need to handle intimacy. God prescribed it. In fact, he said not only it is good, he said it is very good. And so how do we handle this thing? It's within the context of biblical marriage. So if you're single, save it for marriage. If you're married, keep it in marriage. The problem is we've got a lot of single people acting like they're married. A lot of married people practicing being single. Listen, why would God say no? And why would God say go? It's not for your restriction. It's for your protection. And the best sex is between a godly man and a holy woman within the context of of marriage. You know, some of you too may be here and, and you've repented and you've asked the Lord to forgive you. Can I just say in moments like this, don't let the enemy sit on your shoulder and condemn you. That's right. You just begin to thank him for what mm-hmm. he's done in your life. That's right. And then some of you may be here today and maybe you have messed up and you want to make it right. Mm. Can I tell you, that's why Jesus came. Right. That's why he died on the cross. Yes. That's why his blood was shed so that we can be forgiven of our mm-hmm. sin when we mm-hmm. repent and ask him to forgive us. He washes us white as snow as if it never happened. And maybe some of you here and you're like, I wanna do it the right way. Mm-hmm. You can with the power and the help of the Holy Spirit. Right. You can be pure and God will bless you for your obedience. Mm -hmm. He is faithful, amen? That's right. The Bible says he makes all things new. And for some of you today, you need the help of the Holy Spirit to make things new in your life. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.